The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. Well, this was an exciting baseball game tonight at the K in front of a sold-out crowd, but unfortunately didn't go the way of the Royals. But welcome in. It's your dish on Clubhouse Conversation for Game 1 against Seattle, a 7-5 Mariner victory. And yeah, that one stunk. You would have liked to have won that, but no need to panic, no need to even lose an ounce of sleep, no need to really worry. It's not a big deal. Those games are going to happen. And this one can be summed up pretty easily. There's three ways you can sum up this loss. Number one, first and foremost, James Shields didn't have it again. Number two, Greg Holland didn't have it, but that's a rarity. And number three, the offense blew golden chances in the eighth and ninth innings to win this game. Let's go through these one through three, the three things that happened tonight. Number one, James Shields was obviously the biggest factor in the Royals not coming through with a win tonight. And at the end of the year, let's let's start by saying this. At the end of the year, I still expect Shields to have, you know, number one slash number two numbers at the end of the season. But it is starting to get concerning lately. You know, and we've been talking his last few starts about how Shields often does go through a dead arm period and struggles around this time of the season-ish. If you look back start by start throughout his career, it's not abnormal for him to struggle a little bit this time of year. And I also realize the Royals have won nearly every one of his outings the last six weeks. So let's get that out there, is that Shields normally does struggle a bit during this time of year. I do expect his numbers to get better, and I am aware that the the team is winning when he goes out there, which at the end of the day is all you care about. But let's be honest, and Shields will tell you the same thing. That's more about the offense scoring him a lot of runs. A lot more than that than it is him pitching that well. He's had a couple of good outings sprinkled in there and these are by James Shields standards too or we're holding James Shields to a different level here if you look at his numbers for the year they're still pretty good but I'm, I'm holding James Shields to a number one level because that's who the Royals believe he is that's what the numbers would tell you he is throughout his career they gave up a lot to get him and he is pitching for a big contract this winter and the Royals frankly need him to be that guy so we're getting we're holding him to high standards here but now Shields for the year sitting okay win loss wise obviously eight and three although you and I both know that's one of the most overrated stats in baseball is a pitcher's win-loss record. But the ERA, and looking you know, in at the stats a little bit more, they aren't James Shields-like. They aren't what you expect and what you need from him. He's got a 3.70 ERA after this game with fairly disappointing strikeout numbers. He was striking out a, a pretty good amount of hitters his first five to eight starts of this year, but they've really kind of gone down to where he's getting an average of about four or five a start over the last eight to ten starts. And, and we've mentioned it before, the big games, quote-unquote, where he's supposed to thrive. Since coming over, we, we mentioned the batters. You know, the Detroit has battered him outside of opening day this year. Pretty much every start, it seems like. Going back to last year, we talked about his last starts last year against Detroit, the game, the Sunday afternoon game earlier this year against Detroit. Actually, that was a Friday night game. Vargas was a Sunday game. But the Friday game against Detroit earlier this year in front of the big crowd. And in games in front of big crowds, it seems like he's been struggling. And games with... The Royals in the middle of a losing streak. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just saying overall James Shields has not been what the Royals need him to be. And, and I, I think he'll get a lot better as the season does finish. I'm, I'm assuming he'd tell you the exact same thing, that he needs to do better. His teammates have picked him up, which is true. And I do believe Shields will finish out this year strong. But at the moment, he's pitching like a number two on a decent major league team or a number three on a really good team. At this moment, that's how James Shields is pitching. He's not somebody you fear if you're the opposition and while you do feel good every time he pitches as a Royals fan, you aren't sure he's going to win. 
I mean, I, I feel more confident right now with pretty much everybody else in that rotation going right now, which is also a big compliment to them because, you know, one through five, all five Royal starters have ERAs in the threes or below right now, which is fantastic. So tonight for Shields, give him credit. He did give some innings to the Royals, seven innings. But you gave up five runs in front of a sold-out crowd. You're coming home. You really want to set the tone for this homestand with, you know, Ibakuma as your opponent. You know, you can't give up too many runs, first of all, although the Royals did do a good job against him. We'll talk about that later. But you look ahead in this homestand, you've got Grinky and Kershaw and on and on and Dan Heron and looking forward to the Angels, you know, some of those good arms they have. I mean, you're facing a lot of stud pitchers. This homestand, your goal is five and four. So you really wanted to get this game tonight, and you were hoping Shields could really set the tone tonight. Didn't happen. Got behind five nothing. We'll talk more about how the offense does, you know, deserves a lot of credit later. But my point in all this, my summary of James Shields is as follows. James Shields has been good this year but I will call him disappointing based on what he is supposed to be for the Royals, which is a number one and a stopper and an ace, which he has not been this year. And there's really no denying that the stats tell you the same thing. I do believe James Shields will get better. I do believe he'll end up with an ERA in the low threes, but the strikeout numbers aren't quite there anymore. So it's going to be tough for him to get back down to the twos and be truly dominant and on and on. But I do think James Shields at the end of the day is going to be very good for the Royals down the stretch. And it is common for him to go through this, this dead arm or this struggles this time of season. But at some point pretty soon, you know, you only get 30 some starts as a starter. You can't let this drag on for too much longer. You're also pitching for a big contract. And with guys like Verlander, you know, starting to struggle and breaking down a little bit, you don't want teams taking the same thing of you before they invest four or five years on you. So that's my summary of Shields. I think he will get back to have a good year. But we'll see what happens to the team overall. Hopefully they can keep scoring him runs. Now, the second thing we got to talk about tonight was Greg Holland blowing the save. No, who cares? No big deal. He was due. You knew it was coming. Holland is just having a completely amazingly dominant year. He's going to blow two or three more this year. So get used to it. It's not a big deal. Nothing is a loose leap over. He's still sitting on 21 saves. Greg Holland still has a 188 ERA. Ridiculous strikeout numbers. The whip's looking good. I mean, think of it this way. Fernando Rodney's having probably an all-star season. He's got 19 saves now, and, and, and Holland's got two more saves than Rodney and an ERA nearly a half a run lower. Think about that for a second. That's how dominant and good Greg Holland is. Fernando Rodney, likely an all-star closer this year. On the all-star team, I shouldn't say he's an all-star closer, but an all-star this year. And Holland sitting nearly a half a run lower with more saves with ERA. I mean, it's, it, that just tells you how good Greg Holland has been. So, I mean, there's just whatever. You just shake this loss off. I'm just telling you, this is a well-pitched game, a well-played game, I should say. It's a well-played game. James Shields didn't have it tonight. That's pretty easy to just say, move on. He's going to get better. This is pretty common. We'll still trust him. Same with Holland. Number three, the reason this game doesn't bother me that much and it's easy to move on from is the offense did blow some chances in the eighth and ninth to win this game, no doubt, especially that eighth inning when you had the bases loaded up with one out and you couldn't get that run in from third. I mean, but give them credit, guys. They scored five runs tonight with Iwakuma starting the game. They, plus the heat of Kansas City, got out Iwakuma after five-plus innings. They hit under the tune of five runs on nine hits. I mean, the offense was fine tonight. Home runs from Salvador Perez to get things going. Mike Moustakas, a huge, no doubt, two-run home run. It's good. Moose is starting to swing the bat pretty well. It's good to see that. That's very good to see. We need that. So overall, I mean, the offense, like we said, they scored five runs. Yeah, they could have maybe gotten seven or eight runs, maybe more than that. They had a couple more big hits with guys on base in the eighth and ninth, but you can't expect them to come through every time. At the end of the day, this was a fairly well-played game on both sides. The pitching wasn't great for either side, but give the offenses some credit. 
It was an exciting baseball game. It was a good night for baseball at the K. It does stink that the Royals continue to drop games, almost like clockwork when they have 30,000-plus out there. That does suck. But it happens, guys. We're fine. We're fine. These Now, well, let's talk a little bit about, about Twitter and, you know, some of the Colin shows and all that fun stuff. I mean, I, I realize when you start winning games, a lot of people start jumping on who aren't really diehard fans of the Royals, and they kind of have that NFL or college basketball or college football mantra of every game is so important and means the end of the world, and it's got to be somebody's fault. It's baseball. There's not always somebody at fault. I mean, like you could say James Shields was at fault tonight, but it happens. It's part of the game. Greg Holland, it happens. It's part of the game. The offense not getting a hit. It's part of the game. It's really nobody's fault tonight, especially not Ned Yost. These people that keep blaming Ned Yost need to get a grip. It's getting old. And let's talk one more thing about it. You read the studies about how a bad manager, they really can't even prove this, and I'll tell you why I don't think they can. They might say a bad manager loses you three games a year. The worst manager in the league might lose you three more than the best one. But how do you really even know that? Because let's think back to this winning streak. How about all the times where Ned Yost didn't bunt where he normally does and they have big innings? He gets no credit for that. Had he bunted and we still won the game or lost the game by one but scored runs in those innings, you can't really say he cost us the game. But as it turns out, it would have cost us the game because we had big offensive innings. My point being, for every time you think Ned Yost made a bad decision that might have contributed to a loss, there's so many games where he made the right decision. A hit and run that put runners at first and third. Going to the right bullpen guy over a guy who wouldn't have had it that night. There's just no way to quantify that. All the games they win, he should be getting some credit for some of these moves he makes. If you're going to give him... I mean, you just don't know. You have no idea what the option, you know, the other thing would have been in wins. that he make it, you know, not hit and run one game? Or had he bunted here instead of not doing it there? And blah, blah, blah. You have no idea. You just can't sit there and bitch about it. There's just no... It's baseball. Baseball, it's a percentage game. You, you, you know... You play the percentages, you go with the best odds, and you let your guys play. It's not Ned Yost's fault that James Shields didn't have it tonight or Greg Holland didn't have it or, you know, that Mike Moustakis couldn't get the run in from third base and one out in the eighth or on and on and on. It's, you know, it's nobody's fault. It's baseball. It happens. There's no reason to freak out about it. These people that are on there, it just annoys me because it, it just it's too bad because there's so much positive energy and it bugs me that people are going to let one or two games now. Like, it's almost like now they forget about the 10-game winning streak and the fun we're having and how... You know, if you're going to celebrate being a half game in first place coming into the day where you're, you know, by your fingernails holding on to first place, then surely why does it matter if you're a half game back? It's essentially the same thing with 90 plus games to go. Like if you're going to celebrate being in first by half place, but you're going to be depressed if you're in second by half game. Like what's the difference? Really? It's just it, it frustrates me sometimes. And I just wanted to address that. The negativity, because I didn't see any negativity tonight. There's just really not too much to be negative about tonight. Those are my thoughts on tonight. It was a well-played game. It was an exciting game. It's too bad the Royals lost. It sucks, but hey, we got one of Holland's blown saves out of the way now. You would think that Shields is getting his quote-unquote bad outings out of the way. He's still giving them innings, but he's got he's got to get better, obviously. If he keeps going six, seven innings, giving up four and five runs every three starts, he's not going to have a good year. So obviously he's going to have to get better, and I think he will. These things have a way of ironing themselves out and evening themselves out. There was good things tonight. The offense hit Iwakuma. God, I can't say his name. It's late. I had a beard, too. <laughs> you know, Mike Moustak is hitting home runs, hitting for extra bases. That's positive. Billy Butler's hitting the ball hard. That's positive. Alex Gorin's having a career. Salvi, another jack tonight. Escobar. On and on. There's so much positive going on that there's no reason. One other thing I want to address tonight, by the way, before we preview tomorrow and Sunday is they have got to get another position player up here. That bench, uh, Oki might need to go on the DL. He looks bad right now. He at least needs a few days off. They need another outfielder. 
slash infield. I don't know if you go back to Paredes for a while just because he can play both infield and outfield, but they've got to get another player off that bench before tomorrow. I'd be shocked if they don't activate somebody before tomorrow at 110. The way Aoki looked and how they were kind of hampered there towards the end. You know, people are bitching about Billy Butler, by the way, on Twitter. Oh, why did they not pinch run for him when he got to second? And, you know, and now it cost us his bat in the ninth. Well, you wanted him to take him out in the eighth, but now you're upset that Ned did take him out because he's not hitting. You can't have it both ways, people. And I think, Ned, my point in bringing that up again after saying I was done with tonight is the fact that with a with a deeper bench, I think Ned would have pinch run for him sooner in that inning is my point in saying that. That's why I say they need to make a move before tomorrow's game. So we'll, I, I think they will probably. I think it's obvious how Oki needs some days off or maybe even a DL stint. Wouldn't shock me to see Danny Valencia actually activated. Although you'd like somebody maybe that could play a little bit of outfield, since if Aoki is not available, you don't have an outfielder, really. Unless you're going to put Michael Marriott out there, and I know he's their you know, emergency left fielder. So it wouldn't shock me if you see Valencia come up or and or Paredes, somebody that can play both. But let's talk about tomorrow and Sunday. Royals need to win these two games. They need to win a minimum of four games in this homestand. Five is what you want, but four is the minimum. To do that, you'd like to win two or three against Seattle. You don't want to go into that Dodger series having to win two because, let's be honest, you're probably going to win one the way the pitching sets up in that series. Maybe two, but you want to win. You, you have the advantage the next two days. That's the bottom line. Tomorrow, it's Chris Young, the 6'10 righty. Against Jason Vargas, Chris Young, 6-4 and four with a 3-4-0. His last start, he threw six shutout innings against the Padres and shut down the Royals a little over a month ago on May 10th. Eight innings, one run for the Royals against Chris Young. I think they'll get him tomorrow. I think they will hit him. That's a game with Vargas going. And, and again, the only thing I'm worried about tomorrow is that Vargas has been so good. He's a, he's a dark horse all-star. I've been saying that for two starts now. No one else has picked up on it yet, but I imagine if he wins tomorrow, they'll start being some talk. But Vargas is probably due for a rough outing soon. Let's just knock on what is not tomorrow. I'm a little nervous, though, pitching in a day game against this lineup. It seems to be swinging the bat pretty well for Seattle. They're holding their own. They're 8-7 and seven in a long stretch of games right now. So, you know, no, no off days for, I think, 20 days now. Seattle's in the middle of that. So we'll see. But I think I think we'll be fine tomorrow. I do think we'll win tomorrow because even if Vargas gives up, even if he gets tagged for three or four, I think we'll hit Chris Young tomorrow. Then if you look to Sunday, you've got Jordano Ventura, and I'm going to butcher his name like I did last time. Rowenis Elias, I think is how you say that. Elias Elias. I forget how they said that. We faced him earlier. Back on May 11th, the lefty, we faced him against uh, the Royals. He went um, five innings. The Royals got three off of him on May 11th. So they hit him pretty well. They got him out early. I remember that game. He's got good stuff, but... He's 6-5 and five with a 3-9-1. He is coming off of seven innings of one-run ball against San Diego. But both those two games, you got Ventura and Vargas going. You, I, I really think you have to win both of them. But at the very least, obviously, you have to win one. Obviously. That goes without saying. If they get swept in the series, I'll be a little nervous as well. But they'll come out and win tomorrow. I'm not worried about it. The Royals do have the clear matchup the next two days. And that's the other thing about tonight. You lost it and it sucks, but tonight was the most losable game of the threes in the series on paper. Tonight was the game looking in at the other way. Tonight was the most likely game Seattle was going to win if you had to give them odds with Iwakuma going up against James Shields. I know Shields is, in theory, a stud. and he's, I mean, He is a stud. I'm not trying to be mean here, but in theory, he's an ace, but he's not right now. So and Iwakuma kind of is, even though he's kind of been slow because of injuries this year with his finger issues earlier. So there you go. We'll look at it. Not, I'm, I'm shrugging out tonight. I'm not worried about it. Let's get a win tomorrow. Two winnable games for the Royals. We'll have post-game thoughts here on Clubhouse Conversation tomorrow. One last thing. hope you're able to download some of the great interviews we continue to do on the site. You can stream them here on clubhouseconversation.com. I'm aware that most people don't have time to sit around for 30 minutes and listen to interviews. So download them. 
You can do it through iTunes. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can download them through the site. Just take them with you on your smartphone, your tablet, your device. Take them with you. Listen, if you're traveling, if you're driving in the car, if you're chilling at work or studying at school, whatever you do, interviews go with you. They're pretty good. There's one with Joey Gath right up where he talks about his struggle with alcoholism and you know finding Jesus and, and kind of turning his life around. It's pretty good stuff. Um, we've had some recent ones this week with current guys like Buddy Bauman, Logan Moon. So check them out. Lots of great interviews coming up. We appreciate you listening and telling a friend about Clubhouse Conversation. You have a good night. We'll talk to you tomorrow.